One of the most important behaviors that mindfulness practice and mindful coping practice has helped me to address in a positive way and to begin to allow myself to evolve and be the person that I, the best person I can be, I guess would be the best way of putting that. And that is in the area of having a desire or a need to isolate myself due to things happening with other people. And that's a, it's a pretty broad subject. And there's clearly a lot that uh, could be said about this. But in this particular case, I really want to focus on wanting to isolate because of reactions that I'm having to things that people say to me or things that I think people are doing to me or they may actually be doing it to me. It may be in my, you know, maybe my imagination. It may be something that is really truly happening. Uh, it may, you know, be, you know, in my mind, it may be worse than it really actually is. And those things can vary in terms of, you know, my perception of what someone is doing to me. Or in a lot of cases, it can be resulting from what people don't do or, you know, because I, I come into a situation with inappropriate expectations or hopes or dreams that somehow things are going to be a certain way with other people and they end up not being that way. It ends up, in some cases, being vastly different from what I'm in, you know, the model that I have in my head for how my interaction should be with someone, uh, how a relationship is with someone. So there is a lot of, a lot of ground here to, uh, to cover and I may not necessarily be able to speak to all of it at one time like this, but getting back to the point of being able to somehow understand that I have a choice about whether or not I choose to isolate myself from other people, from life, from the world at large, really has a lot to do with how aware I am of the way that I'm reacting and responding to what's, you know, the, the information that's coming in from what people are saying to me or doing to me, so to speak. And for a long time, I found myself in a position where I was so burdened, and there again, I allowed myself to be so burdened with my own personal baggage that no matter what kind of interaction I was having with someone, I was so wrapped up in my own perception of who I was. So if I was struggling, and I was, and still do to a great degree from time to time, struggling with self-esteem issues or having a low opinion of myself or body image issues or whatever the case may be. It may be a sense of inferiority. It, there's so many different shades and gradations to how we can distort the reality of who and what we really are. And that can get very esoteric and very deep very quickly. So I want to just kind of leave it at that at this point and really focus on, you know, the mindfulness aspect of this and the, and in terms of being able to cope mindfully and how much that really can help. So I know that when I have, and I have spent, unfortunately, many years of my life regularly isolating myself, and it's not necessarily that I'm always like a hermit, you know, living in a cave, 
but it's more along the lines of it can be very subtle at times. It's not that I'm completely isolating myself away from everyone, but I might just be avoiding opportunities to do things, you know, to get out in the community and mix it up with people and learn from other people's perspectives and participate in activities that really are very healthy and very life-affirming and that really are very good for me. But because I am am not aware of the fact that I have burdened myself on an ongoing basis with all of these thoughts about who I think I am and why I don't measure up and why I probably am not adequate to get out in the world and be a part of things with people, even if it makes me uncomfortable. And as someone who has struggled most, if not all, of my life with chronic depression and social anxiety... This has been a real tough battle for me at times. And and the sad part is it really should not have to be a battle. It really can be easier than that. But the question is, if it can be easier than that, what do we do to make it easier than that? And that's really what I want to share today is that the start beginning of this to start really has to, we have to get to a place where there is some level of awareness that, you know, I'm thinking thoughts about myself and that those thoughts about myself and what I'm capable of or not capable of are really what's getting in the way of me choosing not to isolate and to be out in the world and be a part of things. And over the last few years, I would say that for myself, I have actually had the opportunity to partake you know, in different activities and be a much more of a part of the community than I probably ever have in my life. And at 53 years old, sometimes there's a tendency to think that my best years are behind me or that, you know, you, uh, you get to a point in life where you can't really evolve anymore. And I know that none of those things are true, but I had really convinced myself that that was the case, that, you know, it was really time for me to just kind of settle into the rut that I was in and just kind of continuing to live in my own bubble, so to speak. And I know now that a lot of that was really perpetuated by the thoughts that I had about myself and really not believing that I was capable of evolving in some way, of being able to be more comfortable being out in the world, being uncomfortable, or as I like to say sometimes, being un- being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that is really a lot of it. I think when we're out in the world with other people where we can control very little of what happens, that there has to be this willingness to be vulnerable. And I know for me, being able to uh, allow myself to be vulnerable has only really been possible through the practice of ongoing awareness, which is essentially mindfulness practice. But I think it's important. I think the word awareness really refers to how important it is that this is really, it's a simple process. It's certainly not easy. There is really nothing easy about practicing just sustaining an ongoing awareness of what our mind is doing. It's so much easier to become distracted. And believe me, after practicing mindfulness for over you know 20 years, it's still very easy for me to, at times when I'm uncomfortable, I'm unsure about myself, I'm uncertain about the future, 
there is a real strong pull towards just wanting to be distracted. I don't really want to pay attention to what's going on in my mind because maybe what is going on in my mind is too much. And that those are the times when it's most important for me to be aware are those times when I don't want to be. And when it's so much easier to just run from and escape the way that my mind is, is coping or not coping with what I am faced with when things are uncertain and difficult and tenuous and we're unsure of ourselves and, and what's going on around us. So when I take a deeper look at this, it is really a matter of practicing awareness. And no matter how much I have decided to isolate myself, no matter how much I have convinced myself that I no longer feel like I can be out in the world and be a part of things or take part in something, you know, in, in something that's new to me, that it really just starts with slowing things down and really paying attention to what my mind is doing in response to something that makes me want to run and hide. And most importantly, what I want to say is, is that the first thing is to be kind and gentle to ourselves during these times, that I don't want to be beating myself up emotionally because I do want to run and hide. It's, you know, whatever's going on out in the world or whatever's going on around me, when I feel like I just can't deal with that anymore, when I just feel too uncomfortable and feel like I need to be somewhere that feels more safe to me, that there's nothing wrong with that, that it is completely human and it's normal and it's natural and that there's nothing wrong with me. And just because I feel like I want to, or I guess what I should say is I think that that's what I want to do. And, and notice how I said the word feel instead of think. It's very easy sometimes to confuse those two words. And they really do mean two completely different things. It's, you know, when it's all happening, it's very easy to confuse feeling with thinking. Because when you really look at the, the distinction between those words and the difference, it really boils down to the feelings are just what is happening to us physically. When things, when we have, when we experience a negative emotion, we're just experiencing a feeling. And then what ends up happening is, in almost all cases, unless we're aware of that, we can't really stop ourselves from doing it, but we can at least catch ourselves in the act of thinking about what we're feeling. And it's all the speculating about where this is going to lead, you know, thinking, speculating about why this is happening, trying to determine whose fault that it is. And I'm not saying that that's what we always do in these situations, but these are some of the more common reactive habits of mind that we get into when we get locked into a loop of thinking and we're trying to quote unquote, think our way out of something is to be aware of the fact we want to be aware of the fact that we're doing it. And if I can just allow myself to be aware of it, that really can change everything. And I've had several experiences here recently. The detail of what really happened isn't really that important because these are just things that happen to all of us. It's, there's nothing novel or unique about what happened to me or how I felt about it or what I thought about it. It's all, these are all, you know, part of what people experience in life. But there have been situations recently in which 
for various reasons, I have felt a really strong pull to isolate myself, to avoid something out in the world, something that I have normally been a part of because I'm uncomfortable in some way, because I just don't want to face it. And what I realize is it's, you know, once I become aware that I feel this way, I don't always, and that's the most important thing here is I don't have to do anything in response to that. Now, clearly, if there is a true emergency and there's something that where we're in danger, yes, clearly we do, you know, it's, it goes without saying, but I'm speaking more on lines of just, you know, when I have a certain emotional reaction to something and it's not an emergency, it's not the end of the world, but it's somehow it's making me uncomfortable. Somehow it's making me unhappy. Somehow I'm not, I don't feel like I can deal with it in some way. And all I really have to do is just allow myself to acknowledge, and that's really what awareness does, that's what mindfulness practice at its essence really is, at its core, is that I'm just being more of a spectator, watching my mind thinking these thoughts about wanting to isolate and wanting to run and hide. And the beautiful part about it is, is that, you know, there's no penalty, there's no harm, there's no foul if I decide that, you know, I'm going to go run and hide. And sometimes that is what happens. But even if I do that, even if I decide that I'm going to, when I really want to go out and do something and I decide to stay in instead, or there's something that I have really wanted to do out in the world, and then just decide on my own that I just, I no longer want to do that because somehow I'm uncomfortable or I'm not really, it doesn't, I'm not as sure of myself as I thought I might be that it's okay, that there's no reason to beat myself up emotionally about that, to just let myself be aware of the fact that I'm doing it. And as simple as that sounds, it really is incredibly, I've found it to be incredibly effective in people that I have taught mindfulness practice to and many people that I've talked to about this that practice mindfulness themselves. And even in some cases, people that don't. That it really, just by being aware of the fact that I am thinking these kinds of thoughts and that if I can get to a place where I do have a little bit of headspace, I do have a little bit of, of, of ability to step back from whatever it is that I'm, that I'm investing in in terms of thought and really ask myself a few basic questions. And obviously with questioning, you can get very, very deep with this. But at the same time, you know, it's important to understand that it can, this is also something that can be done, you know, while you're, you know, what I refer to as mind being mindful on your feet, you know, in the middle of life while things are happening. And, you know, it is possible to do some basic questioning and really asking myself, you know, why am, you know, what am I really thinking here? Am I, do I really believe what I'm thinking? I, I'm thinking that I need to not to not do what it is I thought I wanted to do. I'm thinking that I need to hide from the world. I'm thinking that I need to run and hide. Is that really true? You know, why am I? And, and then it then it begins. What I find is sometimes in this case, the questioning itself leads to more awareness. The more that I can be critically thinking about. And I don't even want to use the word thinking, but the more that I am willing to pay attention to and really look critically at what I'm thinking and begin not really to analyze it, but just to really look at the truth that, that, that ultimately end up being the answers to these questions. You know, what is really true in this moment? 
what you know what even though I'm thinking it's this way if I can get to the truth of maybe it really is not as bad as I think that it is or that I don't really have to run and hide after all that things are not as bad as as I think that they are and this all really comes from the standpoint of just paying attention to what is happening in our minds and that instead of being in the business of believing everything that I'm thinking in response to a negative emotion that I can begin to see that this is in a lot of cases this ends up just being an infrastructure that I've built in my mind that takes on a life of its own it's like it's almost like a movie with this very complex storyline and as I begin to pay attention and become aware of the fact that this infrastructure is built from nothing more than thoughts and reactions to emotions that I'm feeling I can get more in touch with those emotions without being afraid to feel them. And what usually allows me to do that is that I, the less I invest and the less I'm wrapped up in my thoughts about those emotions. And it is something that with practice is very, very possible to do. And when you first get a, a glimpse of kind of seeing behind the curtain, so to speak, and to realize that these some of these thoughts really and truly don't represent the reality of what's really going on, you know, the reality on the ground, so to speak, right in front of us. Once we can actually get a taste of that and realize that in many cases, the, our thoughts about what is happening is really not what's really happening. And there again, I'm not saying that's to use as something that we should beat ourselves up about you know, not being aware of what's really happening. It's just about being aware of the fact that we're not aware of what's really happening, that we're somewhere else creating a storyline about it and to come back to the present moment and begin to question whether or not we really do need to run and hide from this, that maybe it really is not as bad as we think. And there again, being open to the fact that, you know, we don't have all the answers. It might be as bad as we think. I don't know. Every situation is, is different and unique. But my, my willingness to be more open to questioning these assumptions that I'm making and these conclusions that in many cases I'm jumping to needlessly, that I can begin to start looking at everything that's going on around me, and this is in the moment. The more that I get comfortable with doing this, the more that I can be a witness to my own thoughts and not be the, so busy being in the business of being the person thinking these thoughts it's still me. I'm not trying to delude myself that it's not me because it is. But then again, on the other hand, this is really where Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy differ in a lot of cases. And it's not that I want to go off into, to, to, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, go off the road, so to speak, and to begin to speak about that. But there are different ways of looking at our, at our relationship to our thoughts. And I know that, you know, in, in, uh, in classic Western philosophy, you know, it has been said, I think, therefore I am. And sometimes when we identify so much with our thoughts and sometimes just actually being aware of the fact that we don't have to necessarily identify with them can be a little unnerving. And it is something that you have to, to take, it takes practice to become more comfortable with looking at our thoughts in a different way and having a different relationship with them and that they don't have to define us. And it's not here, it's not up to me to convince anyone that this is what they should do because it's, that's not my place to do that. But if it is, if it's something that someone is open to and does want 
to begin to really take a look at and begin to question their relationships with the thoughts that they have and the assumptions that they make about things that they feel emotionally, this can be mindfulness practice and mindful coping practice can be very, very beneficial. And again, the coping part of the coping aspect of this is really just utilizing mindfulness practice to cope more effectively. That's really as simple as it is. It's as simple as it gets. It's, you know, it's not a separate practice for mindfulness. It's really just being able to utilize mindfulness to cope with all of the complexity of life and all of the difficulties and challenges and uncertainty of what it's like to be a human being in the world. And the fact that in most cases, being a human in the world is not going to get any less complicated. It's probably not going to get easier. And a lot of those things are not on, not you know under our control, and there's certainly things in life that we can control. But it won't change the fact that part of our, the human experience seems to be that things do tend to get sometimes more complicated than less complicated. And I know that we all can do our best to make it as, as uh, you know to to make it less complicated in the best way that we can. So to bring all this together. It's really just beginning to see that in terms of, you know, just needing the feeling the need to isolate, that once I start taking a look at the fact that I'm isolating and choosing to isolate myself and hide from the world and run and hide and go somewhere that I feel is somewhere, somewhere that's more safe than where I am right now out in the world being exposed, that I can't really run and hide from my thoughts. It's kind of like the old saying, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And I have found that enough. And sometimes I have literally run and hidden. And I have literally isolated myself only to find myself laughing out loud when I remember that saying. You know, it's like I've run and I've, you know, I, I ran and I, I ran and I hid. But, you know, I'm still here. And so even though I'm, you know, either buried under the covers, you know, holed up at home with all the shades pulled, you know, hiding out from everything that I think is going to hurt me, what I'm finding is, is that the one thing that can probably hurt me more than anything in a lot of cases is are those thoughts and the my ability to define myself by those thoughts that i my my willingness to not trust in my ability to be the best me no matter how uncomfortable i am and that i always know that if i choose to be out in the world and be a part of things and be around people whether it goes the way I hope or expect or it doesn't, it goes a completely a different way. And maybe it ends up not really going that well at all. That at least I have been willing to be, you know, to be in life and be a part of it. And that I don't want to really hide from it. Because I, real, I realize no matter how much I think I'm getting away with avoiding the difficulties of life and the ugliness and the yuckiness of what we have to deal with every day out in the world with other people living as a human being that we I really can't run and hide from my thoughts they're always going to travel with me everywhere I go they're going to ride sidecar with me essentially I mean my thoughts will always go with me so the only place I've ever been able to go that really is any sort of you know any sort of relief from the suffering that I've caused myself needlessly through investing in these thoughts and giving them energy and giving, you know, and adding to the momentum 
is to begin to change my relationship with thoughts. And I have tried numerous things and have found that mindfulness practice and mindful coping practice for me have really been the most effective way to do that. Because I'm going to have, wherever I go, I'm going, those thoughts are going to be right there with me. And so being able to find a way to change my relationship with those thoughts and to not be so burdened by them and not to, and to not believe everything that I'm thinking because those thoughts ultimately limit me and limit my ability to trust in myself to be a human being out in the world. It really can, and it has made a difference. And, it, and, it, and I know and I trust that it will continue to. I just have to be willing to practice. It really comes down to that that I just have to remember why I'm practicing, why I'm doing this, that it's not, it's really not just for me. This is also a way to allow me to impact the world in the best way I can. And that it really, at the end of the day, this isn't just for me. This is really to do my best for everyone in the best way that I can.